The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Joshua 17, verse 12. Joshua 17, verse 12. Happy Thursday, everybody. Joshua 17, verse 12. And I'm going to preach a message I've entitled, Living with the Enemy. Living with the Enemy. Before we get into the passage and the meat of the message, let me talk to you for a few minutes about cheetahs. About cheetahs. Did a little study on cheetahs this past week. Here's one fact I found about cheetahs. You know, cheetahs were the only animals that Noah didn't trust on the ark. You know why? They were cheetahs. <laughs> oh, that was good. Uh, that was awful, wasn't it? That was like the worst dad joke ever. My, my kids are out there and their heads are bowed in shame. <laughs> I can't believe it. But anyway, I didn't write that. I just found that online. All right, here we go. Um, cheetahs. I read this uh, Oxford article after I read a few jokes, this Oxford academic article about cheetahs, and I found this fascinating. There was this research study done, done on cheetahs and their reaction to predators. Now, their main predators are lions, and so they want to stay away from lions. You say, Pastor Zag, why, why would they care? They're faster than lions. Well, they can't run all the time, so they have to sleep, Okay. And then they, they, they have to be concerned for their cubs. So uh, here's what the study would show. The, that they would play this, this dummy lion roar over a loudspeaker and see how the cheetahs would respond to this dummy lion roar. And what they found is when the cheetahs heard this, they quickly moved at least 100 meters away. So the study concluded that their desire for predator avoidance was greater than their desire for prey attraction. Let me say that again. Their desire for predator avoidance was greater than their desire for prey attraction. In other words, they'd rather go hungry for a while than live around lions. And so this speaks to us today as we consider this passage In Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 20, we read the record how that God told the nation of Israel to completely destroy the Canaanites. And I know that's a hard passage to read, and and we might not understand, but I think it's a pretty simple explanation why God said utterly destroy these people. God is basically saying if you allow any vestige of Canaanite culture in the promised land, it will no longer be the promised land. They will corrupt you. So I promise this land to you, go in there, take it, take possession, and leave none of the inhabitants alive. So the passages we're going to look at this morning indicate that they didn't do this. They, the, the nation of Israel didn't fulfill uh, their, their command to do this. And these passages give insight into why Israel uh, failed in this regard, why they didn't drive all the Canaanites out. And since this this whole uh, account is a type of the path of the Christian walk, 
the, 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 the path of promise to victory, rest, holiness, blessedness. We can take insight from these passages into why uh, we should possess the land God has promised to us and live a victorious, holy life, and why some Christians choose not to. And I hope you're not one of those. Now, I want to I be a blessing to you this morning. Uh, many of you are seniors, and, and you're going off into your calling, and uh, you're taking on uh, the challenge of God's calling in your life, and I, I want to encourage you to, to take a path of purity, to, to have Christian character in this corrupt culture. So I want to encourage you. And then many of you, of course, are going home for the summer. Some of you staying here. But we all need this. We all need this. We're not much different than the tribes of Israel. And God promises to us victory over sin and temptation. And we need to believe that and appropriate his power to be pure and experience it, it in our life. We shouldn't toy with temptation. We shouldn't accept uh, morally degrading influences or ungodly influences in our life. We shouldn't justify any sin in our life. We want to be pure before the Lord. We need to pray and prepare against these conditions that we find in this passage. Let's look at chapter 17 and verse 12, and we'll see uh, from this passage three reasons why the nation of Israel were living with the enemy. They were in Canaan, but they allowed the Canaanites to stay there. Let's look at Joshua 17, 12. We see reason number one. It says, yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. First of all, we see the reason of weakness. The passage says they could not drive them out. This was said of the tribe of Manasseh. Later on, it said of the tribe of Judah. I think it was indicative of other tribes as well. That's why the Canaanites stayed there. They had accepted a condition of weakness. Although God had already promised, I will drive them out with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. No, you can't do it, but I'll do it with you. I won't do it for you, but I'll do it with you. You can drive them out. God had already told them that they could. But in a condition of weakness, they didn't. And so we see partial obedience. They drove some out. So they relied on God. If you read the passage, they relied on God to drive some of them out. But then they got to a place where they perceived it was just too much for them to go further. And they left some. They said, this, 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 these are too strong for us. We can't. We just can't do it. And you know, many of us, and I'm speaking to myself, I, I'm encouraging myself with this message. I pick messages, by the way, that speak to myself. I figure if they speak to me, hopefully they'll speak to other believers. I'm a normal believer. And so I'm speaking to myself here. Many of us, we do this. We, we, we accept partial obedience in our life. We're, we're dealing with some besetting issue in our life, and, and uh, it's going to take some diligent discipline to conquer that, and we might get to a place where we throw up our arms and we stop short of victory and we say something like, I, you know, this is just too hard. I just can't help myself. You know, that's just the way I am. Or maybe we say, you know, it's really not that bad. It's not that bad. Now, here's God's standard for holiness. 
And I know this, this is a challenge, but let's all receive the word of God here. Here's God's standard for holiness for the believer. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says this, our standard is to be holy as God is holy. You say, Pastor Zach, that's impossible. Right. That's why we get up every day, pray against our selfish desires and ask for God's strength because we can't do it. But with God, we can. He wouldn't, he wouldn't ask us to do that if we can't by his grace. Be holy as I am holy. Ephesians 5.11 tells us, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Boy, that's a high standard. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no close association with. Have no close identity with. Young people, our, 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 our strength in this culture is in our distinction. If we're so much like the world, how are we going to win them to Christ? And so God says, don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful darkness, uh, works of darkness, but rather reprove them. From a position of distinction, say, you need the Lord. You need the Lord. Here's another verse, uh, James 1.27. Pure religion is described as keeping yourself unspotted from the world. <laughs> unspotted. I, when I think of this, I, th I think of when I eat spaghetti, you know. I was eating in Four Winds yesterday and something came off the fork and landed right on my shirt and I had this little spot that was crying out to everybody. Hey, look at me. So I had this nice clean shirt, great, beautiful shirt, and one spot that anybody would see if they were standing in front of me. Right here. Whenever I wear a yellow tie, by the way, I've noticed it attracts spaghetti sauce. Yellow ties. Just a little tip there, guys. But anyway, I mean, I had this spot right there. Here's the standard God has put in his word for every believer, not just pastors, every believer. God says, I want you to be blameless. Blameless? How in the world am I going to do that? By the way, blameless does not mean sinless. Blameless means this, that no one can put a handle on any major character flaw in your life. If you do sin, you take care of it quickly before God and others. And therefore, you have a clean reputation. When you do sin, you get it right quick. So that no one could put a handle on any major character flaw in your life. Blameless. Blameless. Not spotted. Because that, that spot sticks out and everybody sees it. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians 7.1. We are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Because of an awesome reverence for God and a dread of his discipline, I am to perfect holiness. I'm to perfect holiness. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said this. Does anyone know how holy you can be? Now, all of us, I think, would have, we have moments of purity and hopefully many moments of purity. But does anybody in the room know how consistently holy you can be? You know what I mean by that? All of us including myself, all of us have room for improvement when it comes to holiness. All of us. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. All of us should be growing in our holiness. We're to be perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Look at this quote. We must not make it our aim not to sin very much. We must make it our aim not to sin at all. 
You say, Pastor Zach, are you teaching sinless perfection? Not as a lifelong standard, because none of us will reach that, but as a momentary standard. Isn't, shouldn't this be our, our aim? Shouldn't we get up every day and pray for this? Shouldn't we pray for the, a sinless day? And keep short accounts with God? Can you imagine a soldier making his goal not to get hit by bullets very much? <laughs> no, he doesn't want to get hit by bullets at all. And so that's how we pray. And the good news is, the Bible says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God calls us to holiness and he'll help us to do it. If we live in faith, not like the children of Israel here who lived in doubt and weakness and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's too hard from this point on. We need to, everyone here who wants to live holy and and have a, a, a good reputation in this corrupt world, we need to pray against our doubts. We have to to refuse to accept sinful associations and influences and habits that we settle into. We need to get up every day, and what did Jesus say? Take up your cross daily. Paul said, mortify the deeds of the body. Die to your flesh every day. Pray against your selfish desires and receive the strength of Christ to make you holy, because you can be holy. I'm here to tell you, young people, you can live pure in this world. It's bad out there, but you can live pure in this world. So don't accept weakness as an excuse, okay? Let's look at number two. So we see weakness in the passage. We see pridefulness. Look at the next verse. This is interesting. You see this shift in the next verse. So verse 12 says they could not. Verse 13 says they did not. Look how it reads. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong. So they gained strength. You know, let's give them a break here. Let's, let's be a little empathetic. They had been fighting for a long time. So after a while, they were like, wow, we can't keep this up. But after a while, they were back to strength. And it says they put the Canaanites to tribute. What? They just let them live there and tax them but did not utterly drive them out. So the could not turned to did not. Why? Because they saw some perceived financial benefit uh, that was more important than obeying God. And so they said, hey, hey, we've destroyed many of them. Let's just leave these few. Tell you what, these few, there's only a few. They destroyed the major cities. They left a few towns. They're in the minority now. Here's the mindset. We got this now. We can handle them. There's only a few. You know, they're in pockets around, but we, we can handle it now. Pridefulness. I spoke about this Sunday night, but let's, let's consider this again. They, through pride, they justified this this action. In fact, they might have had, might have had a good reason in their mind. Hey, we're going to tax these people and we'll use the money for God's work. Hey, we'll, we'll let them live, tax them, take their money, use it for God's work. Pride in our life leads to disobedience and compromise. We compromise when we use ungodly reasoning to make decisions instead of using God's word. We compromise in our life when we agree to accept some contradictory element in our Christian life that contradicts our testimony that contradicts our identity in Christ and we allow it in our life. 
That's a compromise. We convince ourselves to accept some sinful or worldly way because of the temporary perceived profit that we think outlasts or outweighs the lasting consequence. We say to ourselves, hey, it's not that big a deal. I've got this. I can handle this one. I can handle this. I can handle this in my life. You've heard this before. If I put some dirt in this glass of water, would the water make the dirt clean? Or would the dirt make the water dirty? Well, the dirt would make the water dirty. Nobody would drink that. So it is, the Bible says, with compromise in our life. That's why we need to see every evil as the enemy. Look at these quotes. What you tolerate today will corrupt you tomorrow. What you put up with today will take you down tomorrow. I think one of the, please consider this with me. I think one of the greatest areas that we need to consider in this regard is our entertainment. And you say, Pastor Zach, I mean, is there some way to entertain myself as a believer without feeding some deep-seated, you know, fleshly desire? I mean, do I have to listen to sermons all day? Is that what I have to do as a believer? Well, no. Uh, But I think there's some good entertainment out there. I found some. You have to search for it. I mean, if it doesn't have gratuitous violence, if it doesn't have, uh, you know, sexual images, if it doesn't have foul language, and there's a, there's a positive message where good overcomes evil and, and it's uplifting and encouraging. There's some good entertainment out there. You relax your soul. You refresh your mind. You laugh a little. When I was going through cancer treatments, I turned on the three stooges. You say, Pastor Zach, a little gratuitous violence. It wasn't gratuitous. It's fake. But I turned on the three stooges. And I'm telling you, laughter is a medicine to your soul. The nurses would come in and go, what are you doing And I'd be laughing like crazy um, when I was in the hospital room there. And I tell you, it was a blessing to me. I watched them all, okay? That's my message this morning, a little three stooges. Amen? Will do you good. Try it. Amen. Okay. Uh, That is going to be a meme. I can just (laughs) tell it right now. (laughs) Uh, That's going to be a meme. All right. Hey, find good entertainment, but be careful. Don't fill your mind with the other stuff. And also, remember that many trivial things keep us from better things. Better thoughts about God. Better activities. Better things that we could be doing with our time. Be careful about this area. Don't in pride say, I can watch this. And this is not going to corrupt me. I can do this, I can go there, I can hang around these people. Be careful, pride will take us down. So weakness, pridefulness, last of all, laziness. Let's look at, let's look at Joshua 18, 1 through 3. I know this is challenging, let's receive it though. Look at, let's look at this bad example, Joshua 18, 1 through 3. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you, what's the next word? 
Slack. How long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God, your fathers, have given you? Take the whole land. Do you know to this day, the Jews have never fully taken their land of promise? It won't be until the millennium and Christ has to come do it. They have never taken it. To this day, they would not. He said, why are you slack? What are you waiting for? Get up and do it. And they have never taken it fully. They had done a lot of fighting. Major portions had been secured. They had part of it, but they decided that was enough. Maybe some of these tribes were living off previous spoils. Maybe they'd found a home with other tribes. But they were content to stay where they were and not take their promised portion. The land that was left to be divided was at a great distance. It was at the outskirts of the territory. And they said, if we do this, we're going to have to carry our families over there, drive our flocks and herds over there. Then we got to fight the Canaanites again and rebuild their cities. This seems like a lot of extra work. Too much work. When, I, when we think of this this morning, I want to give you another animal picture in your mind. The Bible talks about slothfulness. Aren't they cute? They're very cute, aren't they? You like sloths? They say sloths are smiling all the time. But they have a low metabolism. And so they just go very slow. In fact, a sloth will sleep 15 hours a day. You say, that's my roommate, Pastor Zach. The sloth... A sloth can only travel, if they wanted to, and if they tried, they could only travel 40 yards in a whole day. You know what that means, folks? Sloths don't go very far. Sloths don't ever go very far. You say, this reading, reading your Bible thing, Pastor Zach, you know, getting up, reading your Bible, that's hard. That's hard. You know, prayer, that just, boy, I'd really like to do that. It's just a lot of work, a lot of work to pray. Yeah, I've, I, I know about the Great Commission, but witnessing, that takes work too. I got to get out there, talk to people, deal with rejection. I just don't feel like it. You know why a lot of Christians aren't holy? They just don't feel like being holy. Hope I'm not speaking to many of you. Because here's what I found in my life. Holiness takes work. Purity takes work. Now, the benefits come down the road and they're amazing. But holiness is hard. God says, I'll enter the yoke with you. I'll lighten the load with you. I'll do it. If you trust in me, pray against your selfish desires Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit yourself to Bible reading and prayer and your thoughts and feelings will come in line as you do it. Commit yourself. Just do it. Spend time in prayer. To put in the effort. Ask God to help you to conquer 
your lazy spirit spiritually. Now, many of you work hard in sports. You work hard in your academics. You work hard on relationships. You work hard in many areas of your life. You're diligent people. Many of you are diligent, but you're not sloths. You're not sloths. Put the same effort into your relationship with God. Work out your salvation. And God will work in you both to will and to do. It's a cooperative effort. And you put in the work and God says, I'll I'll work in you to give you the desire to be pure, the desire to do my will. I will actually help you to do it. I'll give you the strength. The desire and the strength. If we ask God, pray against these spirits. Pray against weakness, pridefulness, laziness. Look at Titus 2.14. God said this who, uh, through the, the Apostle Paul, who gave himself for us, Jesus, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. Christ wants to replace the spirit of laziness with a passion to be pure and productive in his will. And if we're not careful, if we give in to weakness, if we, if we accept pride, if we give in to laziness, this culture will corrupt us. It will corrupt us. And will be no, not much different visibly in, in all practical ways, not much different than the unsaved people around. Not much different than the unsaved people out there. Here's what happened to Israel. They let the Canaanites live there. They lived with the enemy. The Canaanites corrupted them. The Canaanites corrupted them. Until the time Isaiah and Jeremiah and those guys came around, they were completely corrupted. There was a few left, a remnant. Most of them were corrupted. And then they went into captivity went into bondage. Oh, God doesn't want that for any believer. God doesn't want that for you. Let's close with this verse, Ephesians 4, 27. Neither give place to the devil. Be like the cheetah. (laughs) Be like the cheetah. Don't live with the lions. Don't accept weakness. Pray against pridefulness. Take the path to holiness Be diligent. Don't toy with temptation. Don't accept ungodly influences in your life. Don't justify sinful practices. Be holy. Be holy. It's the best way to live. It's the best way to live. As you leave here, that's our prayer for you. Be a pure vessel that God can use. God uses pure vessels. We're not sufficient. We'll never be sinless, but we reach toward the mark. We seek it. We pray for it. And God uses pure vessels. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.